Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and another episode of Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the podcast, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Weiland. Andrew, how are you doing? It's It's been a very busy news week, so it's been a, a crazy, um, stressful, but fun, fun week. Because you know yeah. you're in the news business to report news, and so it's been exciting to have a lot of things to be chasing after this week. Certainly, people can check out all of that coverage at biztimes.com, and we'll dive right in. Uh, since it was a busy week, we'll dive into our insider story spotlight. This is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes insiders. A lot of things to pick from, Andrew, um, but you got one that's maybe not so much newsy, but just uh, an interesting story. Uh, well, yeah, I thought it was. Um, and there was a report out from the Wisconsin Policy Forum about electric and hybrid vehicles in Wisconsin. And of course, we're in this big transition from, um, you know, burning fossil fuels, using gasoline powered vehicles to electric vehicles or, or whatever the future holds. And there's a lot of debate about this uh, in the country. Um, you've got, there's a huge push for this, but there's also a lot of pushback. And clearly we don't have a lot of issues having worked out to make a change like this. State of California 2035 wants, is going to require or will not allow people to buy new uh, gasoline-powered vehicles, and that's that's shocking to to a lot of people. That even though that's 13 years from now, and it'll only be new vehicles, but still, it, it's a shocking thing. And this report was interesting to get an idea of where things stand in Wisconsin right now, as far as how many electric and hybrid vehicles are on the road here. And it was talking about it was showing you know a lot a significant growth going back to 2013. That was the earliest they had data on it. And that we've seen from 2013 to 2021, a 132% increase in the number of electric and hybrid vehicles in the state from 44,000 some in 2013 to 102,000 some last year. So that's like a pretty impressive, pretty significant increase until you consider the fact that that total is still less than 2% of the 5.5 million passenger vehicles on the road in the state of Wisconsin. That's like 1.8, 1.9%. So yes, uh, hybrid vehicle and electric vehicle use in Wisconsin is on the rise, but it's still a mere small drop in the bucket of how many vehicles are on the road in the state. So the the idea of a total EV future, um, we're a long way from that. Yeah, certainly. It takes some time for that the the entire you know car fleet in the state to to turn over um as people you know um make the decision to buy new and buy you know if you buy new now you're still there's probably a good chance you're still buying an internal combustion engine vehicle um or a hybrid type situation um it'll take some time to have that complete changeover so be interesting one to continue to watch interesting to see how that shapes the economy certainly a lot of manufacturers in the state who are 
in the automotive supply chain um, and what that means for them. That's an adjustment. Think about all the adjustment for, you know, the charging infrastructure and the gas stations and things like that. So, yeah, all that's going to be necessary to actually make this happen. And like I said, the political debate on how much government should get involved in versus the marketplace, just sort of naturally letting this happen. Um, how much should government get involved? How much should environmental uh, issues play a role in it? Um, it will, and, and then and then it affects the gas taxes. So then there's going to be a gas tax impact because that's what funds the infrastructure for the roads. So um, be interesting to see how it all plays out in the years to come. Certainly. Well, my insider story spotlight this week is actually, I suppose, um, fifty stories. Uh, it is the um, Future 50 issue uh, for our magazine. Um, we have uh, coming out on September 26th on Monday, um, issue featuring all the, the companies that are being honored in the Future 50 program, which is back after a two-year COVID-induced hiatus. Um, the last year we had Future 50 was 2019. Um, and it's back this year with uh, Biz Times taking the lead. We've in the past we're the media sponsor for it. Now we are um, taking the lead on on the event and the, the program um, itself. We're partnering still with MMAC, and we've had support from Old National Bank and, and UW Parkside. So um, we're really happy to have that back, and we're going to have an event um, next Friday or next Thursday um, celebrating the Future Fifty companies. That event is. Uh, pretty close to, if not already, um, sold out. So um, there may be a, a ticket or two left. But uh, um, so if you're going to be there, uh, we're excited to have you. Um, but if you're not, um, check out an issue of Biz Times Milwaukee, and you'll see profiles of all 50 companies that we're recognizing this year. The the rankings are done via a really objective measure that that takes into account sales and employee growth. Um, and it's a really impressive group of companies that are on that list and it's, you know, everything, uh, ranging in size from, you know, one or 2 million in annual sales to hundreds of million in annual sales. Um, it's really a bit about companies that are growing private, uh, privately owned companies based in the region, creating jobs, creating economic activity. Um, and so it's great to highlight, um, those businesses, just some interesting stats um, on those companies. In 2019, they combined for employment of 3,687. And um, their 2022 projected employment um, was 4,858. It's an addition of more than 1,100 jobs, nearly 1,200 jobs over that period. And they also had the revenue climb um, from around 1.8 billion to nearly 2.8 billion it's growth of not uh, 950 million uh, in growth uh, for top line over that period so please do check out their profiles lots of interesting insights from them we asked them about you know how have you grown how would you describe your culture how have you overcome the challenges of the last few years things like that um so lots of insights into these companies and how they're growing so interesting stuff to see in the magazine these are the fastest growing privately held companies in Southeastern Wisconsin. And uh, we're so proud to be able to, to recognize them and tell their stories. So yeah, we are absolutely thrilled to, 
taking the lead and bringing back the Future 50 event. Well, from the excitement of Future 50, let's turn now to some other exciting news in town and our big story of the week. And it's news um, from the Milwaukee Repertory Theater and um, Associated Bank. So the Milwaukee Rep uh, plans to build what's being, they're describing as a new $75 million theater complex to replace um, their existing complex, the Betty and Jay Barker Theater Complex at 108 East Wells Street in downtown Milwaukee. They're hoping to break ground by late 2023. Um, and along with that news and what kind of prompted the announcement of this this week was a new sponsorship uh, from Associated Bank, a uh, 20-year deal, uh, $10 million sponsorship. They'll put the Associated Bank name on this new theater complex. Um, so that deal will run through 2042 and Associated Bank um, owns the um, the River Center, which long was known as the Milwaukee Center, um, basically is to the was it to the north um, of of the Reps Theater Complex on that, kind of that same block. The um, whole block, it's all connected. So it's really yeah. the, the, the River Center Tower, the Associated Bank River Center Tower is connected to the Rep complex and the Pabst theater and St. Kate's hotel. It's all connected on that block. Yep. So it makes sense that associated bank would be involved, I suppose, um, in that. Um, So if we back up to February of 2020, which uh, is certainly a lifetime ago in a lot of ways, Hmm. um, the Milwaukee reps said they were planning a 30,000 square foot expansion and renovation of the theater complex. Um, What they are announcing now, um, basically it sounds like they're going to, they're going to completely gut the the three um, theaters they have in there, the Quadrachi Powerhouse Theater, the Steinkey Studio, and the Stackner Cabaret. Um, they're going to take that basically you know, down to the, the studs, if not more, and um, kind of rebuild from there. There'll be a new entryway. Um, the story we had that has includes a rendering of that, a very kind of glassy, um, modern entryway. Um, and so to me, it's a $75 million project. That is a significant undertaking, um, you know, for, for any institution. Uh, right, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think that that dollar figure is very impressive that this is going to be a significant project. Um, this is not merely a new paint job, you know, $75 million ought to get a very impressive new modern facility within the the walls of the existing complex. I mean, there are the the existing complexes, you know, there's a couple of historic buildings there. One is the former uh, like power, power facility. Um, That's why the Quadraki powerhouse pavilion has its name. Um, So the historic, you know, exterior remains, but the interior is going to be brand new and modern and, and meet the needs of modern theater performances. Um, you know, it's, and it's right adjacent to the Paps Theater. This does not include the Paps Theater, but it's right across from that. So, um, you know, 75 million, com- compare that to the Bradley Symphony Center project, which took a movie theater and convert, you know, a historic 1930s movie theater converted it into a modern symphony hall 
adding on some uh, some space to that. I had to actually move a wall into the street. Um, but that was an $89 million project. And, and, and the result is just a marvelous, beautiful facility. So, you know, there this project is not as expensive, but it's pretty much in the neighborhood. This is a significant investment. So uh, I think we ought to be expecting a very nice facility to come out of this. And um, you know, so the latest example of a major, major cultural institution in Milwaukee that is working on a, 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 a very significant facility upgrade. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's another example of a big upgrade project um, for the city's cultural assets. And you've got the, the Symphony Center, um, the Public Museum is working on a project. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this. Um, you know, there's a number, there's looming out there, the, the, the Mitchell Park domes certainly need um, work at some point. We had a, a cover story a few years back about the city's cultural assets and it was the city, Milwaukee's crumbling cultural assets was the, the headline on it and kind of looking at all the things that need life investment. And it's kind of interesting to have another of these projects um, pop up um, at a time when it was just last week that Santiago Calatrava was back in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Art Museum uh, to see and and celebrate the 20th um, anniversary of the, the what basically we, everyone refers to as the Calatrava, um, mm-hmm. which, yeah. uh, you know, was a significant undertaking for the city in terms of, in, you know, investment in its cultural assets and really, you know, gave the the lakefront an identity in a lot of ways um but that was a big undertaking to to accomplish one and that was you know so much of milwaukee's cultural assets were built in the 50s and 60s in that you know post-war manufacturing heyday of milwaukee and um here we are okay um you know 60 years approximately later and um Many of those things, as we report, as you mentioned, we were big story two years ago. We talked about how these cultural assets were crumbling. The Milwaukee Art Museum was a notable exception, of course, at that point, because 20 years ago, as you mentioned, the Calatrava was built. Um, I'll call it that. Why not? Um, that was like the first example of a major cultural institution in Milwaukee getting a huge upgrade that was, that was needed. And, and there were some other projects done there as well. But it's interesting to see now these kind of one by one get done. Bradley Symphony Center, um, the Marcus Performing Arts Center. We haven't mentioned that yet, but they're doing major upgrades there. Public Museum is working on a project that it needs to do. We've talked about that. And now we have this one from the rep. So it's uh, it's very interesting. And it's, it's, it's great to see the business community stepping up to support these things like Associate Bank. Um, these, these things are huge, a huge part of the quality of life of living here. And if you're going to attract talent to work for your company, you need these types of assets, these cultural and sports and entertainment things that make this a place people are going to actually want to live. And so it's great to see the business community recognize that and, and supporting these things. It's also, I think, really fascinating to see Associate Bank in particular, um, what they've done on that block, we mentioned that they own what was once known as the Milwaukee Center, um, that 28-story office tower. 
that's connected to that's on on this block connected to the rep facility um they bought that office tower in 2016 i think it was a 60 million dollar deal and they've put a massive amount of investment and continue to invest a lot in that building so it's very interesting to see the investment they've made in downtown milwaukee and now it continues with uh with the rep complex Mm -hmm. yeah i have a chance to talk hopefully next week with uh the men in charge of their um, other real estate work. So it'd be interesting to hear kind of more from him about Associated Bank's investment and, and what they've done that just a week or so, week or so ago, they announced the, some of the food and beverage um, plans for that facility, um, which look, look pretty exciting. Um, and obviously the Riverwalk investments and different things like that. Um, and well, especially and, at a time when, you know, the office market is really challenged. But mm-hmm. we all know what's happened with COVID and workplace habits have changed. There's so many people working remotely or in hybrid work situations. So now the demand for office space is obviously way down. You've got one of the most, one of the premier office properties in downtown Milwaukee is is in receivership and a, a sale there is expected soon, I'm told. 100 East. Uh, 100 East. That's, that, that's the one, yep. And so while all that turmoil in the office market is happening, you're seeing Associate Bank invest so much in one of downtown's most important office buildings. So that's very interesting and very, very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you think about, you know, everyone's trying to attract talent, right? So you have to make those investments to be able to do it. Um, and I've yeah. talked to bankers have a nice who nice office environment, a uh, work environment. Yeah. If you're going to convince people to come in, work for you and work in person. It better be yep. a good environment. Yep. I've talked to bankers and I talked uh, recently to Kent Belasco at Marquette who runs their commercial banking program. And, you know, if someone's going to go into finance, you know, banking itself isn't maybe considered the the sexiest industry to go into. Um <laughs> you know, versus uh, if you're in the private equity world or the venture capital world or different things, you know, if you want to work with money, there are other things to do um, Mm -hmm. besides banking. And so, you know, they're in the same kind of effort to attract talent. Um, At least I would assume that's part of what the thinking is Mm -hmm. um, in terms of creating these offices and um, creating the presence like that. And you mentioned that the, um, the, the business investment, um, in in you know the cultural assets um you think about back to Kyle Trava um and what went into that is I remember reading um Donald Baumgartner um has a a book well it's a the book all about his life um but uh the sections on the, that project and he was heavily involved in in the efforts for it and leading those campaigns and kind of what it took of you know Michael Cudahy getting involved, the Baumgartners, um, the Quadrachis, um, uh, the Burks, you know, that's the, the actual name of it, the Burke yeah. Soleil. Yeah. Um, you know, so all the different, you know, people who've, you know, done well in this community stepping up and, and contributing to its continued well-being. And that's what it takes to have a thriving city is people stepping up and being involved. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it was very exciting uh, to report this and uh, you know, we don't have a lot of details yet. I know there's, 
some people are spent some comments about oh this the project's a little confusing um we just don't have a lot of details yet from uh the rep uh other than saying you know they've said it's a new co- complex they've said they're gonna you know kind of you're gonna they're gonna gut the facility and and rebuild it uh rebuild the theaters and everything else and the new entrance but we've only seen one architectural rendering so there's a lot of details to come to find out to find out more about this project. And it's going to be very exciting to see when that happens. They've also said that they've been doing. They, there's more to know about the fundraising besides the associate bank contribution. They've said that they've been actively fundraising and they've been receiving a lot of support. Again, we don't have a lot of other details besides that, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together, see more details about this project. They're hoping to break ground, as you mentioned before, late next year. Hopefully it all comes together, but it's a really exciting project to, uh, we'll be, we'll be following it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they do have, so they're working with Epstein U and architects, mm-hmm. funding your construction and uh Mequon based um, kind of ma- uh, construction bandit management in- uh, advisory firm Chamberlain. So um, if you got those pieces lined up, okay, that I'm starting to think you got a real, you know, project here, not a, not a pie in the sky, yeah. you know, we hope we raise that money. Um, you know, if you're getting people signed up, you, you probably are down that road. So we'll look forward to more details, uh, in the future. Yep. Well, until then, though, we'll leave it there for this week on the Biz Times MKE podcast and the weekly debrief. Andrew, thanks for joining me as always. Absolutely. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.